Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Do you know who we are? Of course you do. You wouldn't be listening right now. Welcome to the Busted Open Hall of Fame and Pain Edition with the world's strongest man, the two-time world heavyweight champion, Mark Henry, and the most hated man in the world of professional wrestling. That's right. It's me. It's me. It's Bully Ray. We got a hell of a show coming up for you today. We got to talk about Rusev, Lana, and Bobby Lashley. This soap opera has been going on for a while now, and it is just going. It's it's getting off the rails now. Want to hear what Mark Henry has to think about it. Want to hear about the Kabuki Warriors. Want to talk about the Green Mist. Want to talk about Asuka spraying Paige in the face and did Paige really react the right way? We're going to get into that. We'll get into so much that went on with Monday Night Raw, plus former WWE writer Alex Greenfield joins us to talk about scripted versus unscripted promos and what it was like for him to work with Mark Henry. All here on the Busted Open Podcast, Hall of Fame and Pain Edition. Turn that up. Well, Mark, for me, uh, for the next three hours, it's total nonstop pro wrestling. More importantly, it's Monday Night Raw. This is the first time me and you have ever gotten together to break down the whole show, I believe. We got a lot, a lot of stuff to get into today. Um, l- like I said, we're going to be breaking down Raw. We're going to talk about some things that are going on outside of the wrestling business, meaning outside of the wrestling ring. Also, you know, one of the big topics we've been talking about on the show between me and Dave and you and Dave also, Mark, is promos, scripted promos versus unscripted promos. And we're going to have former WWE writer uh, Alex Greenfield coming up on the show in, uh, uh, in, in a couple of hours. Now, I know you worked with Alex uh, while you were in the WWE, he was he was one of the writers during the Hall of Pain uh, run for yourself. Fond memories of working with Alex, Mark? Very fond memories. And I have to do this. And this is not an attack on you, Bully. It's not an attack. Greenfield is a Midwestern guy. Greenfield, ha ha! He's a New York Jewish guy. So you got to put the Feld in there. <laughs> it says Greenfield here on my list. Greenfield? Greenfeld? Okay, yeah, listen. Yeah, some green guy is going to be joining us later on the in the green, day. Greeny, gonna... greeny is... <laughs> some green His name is, is Alex just... Greenfield. Greenfield, just like I said. Yes. So don't take it personally, Mark, but I was right. You were wrong. No, that's, that's a common occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's going he's to <laughs> be able to uh, have a conversation with us of what it was like to be a writer in the WWE, uh, I guess it's about 10 years ago now, Mark, and how those scripted promos uh, came about and what kind of leeway you guys had back in the day. You know, let's, just, let's just get into it. I'm just curious, Mark, do you feel like you had a lot of leeway when you were working full-time when it came to your promos? I, I had a lot of latitude. I was able to uh, know when the next pay-per-view, what we were talking about, who the person that I was talking against, and then it was like, Mark, make that make it special. Like, don't say the F word. Okay, I'm good. They told and you not I, to say fat? Out there and, um, <laughs> yeah, fat, <laughs> friendly, fun. None of those, none of those. 
That's the F word. Um, so it'll but be good know, to talk I, I to Alex. I love the that, fact that I had that latitude. I, I, that's something that I think is a common occurrence that I'm, I'm hearing from guys that were promo guys is you find out all the pertinent information and then you plug it in the way that you would plug it in. And they've gone away from that, I think. I think that they want to control and micromanage um, what's said because I think there's more important things to say. So, you know, not making any excuses because, you know, the fan base will uh, automatically assume Mark Henry is a company guy that he's told what to say, he's told who to put over. You know, all y'all can screw yourself. Nobody tells me what to do. And when I get ready to, to let you have an idea, I'll give you that idea. So all you media, like social media superstars, you know, you take that, put in your pipe, and smoke it. Damn. We're off. We're starting off hot today. I love it. Good. So Alex Greenfield coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Mark, you sound fired up already. I think Hell we need yeah. to jump. I think we need to dive right into Monday Night Raw and what we saw last night. And I think the star of the show last night was Big Head Dave LaGreca. Did you see how many times LaGreca's head was on Monday Night Raw last night? Well, I guess they everybody thought that, you know, since he was having this colonoscopy that he was going to check out today. So they, they just let him have a little shine. They let him have his shine. It's so funny because, like, there's Dave LaGreca's giant head, and then every once in a while you'd see me and your little head bopping up and down on the background. It's like Dave is the star of Monday Night Raw, and we were like his co-stars last night. Yeah, I mean, why, where, did, where did they get the little tiny heads from? Can't we get, can't we get the big heads? I'm, I'm, I I'm actually head feeling head. a little slighted. I'm feeling slighted. Well, I, I think uh, I think we need to say best wishes to Dave today, because in a couple of hours, uh, Dave LaGreca will be bent over, <laughs> over a doctor's table, having uh, his butt lubed up and a camera snaked up his ass. So that's why he's not here today. Mark, have you uh, ever had a camera snaked up your butt? I have. I've I've had the colonoscopy and. Um, they actually lay you on your side, and they go laterally between them cheeks. <laughs> Are they gentle? I, I don't know. I was unconscious. <laughs> why, can't you I'm, do, I'm, why can't you do it awake? What's the big deal about doing it awake? Because then you would have, like, traumatizing thoughts, I think. I don't know. <laughs> At least it, that was that's what it was for me. I think that um, I, I, I didn't want to remember anything. And, you know, I'm a needle phobe. And I, I just, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So I just said, you know what, uh, give me a couple of Xanax and put the IV in and let me go. And well, that's what best happened. wishes. <laughs> and that was it. You just, you were out. I'm, I was out. Woke well, up best clean wishes as a whistle. To, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, best wishes to Dave LaGreca today as he uh, has that procedure done. I'm sure he'll be raring to get back here tomorrow and take uh, take his big chair back over. But for today, me and you are going to share the big chair. We're going to talk about everything. Want to hear from the nation also what you guys thought about Monday Night Raw last night. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Critiques, comments, uh, 877 877- Three four 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 eight nine three eight seven seven three four 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 eight nine three. Mark, right off the bat, did you did you like Raw last night? Initial thoughts, initial feedback. I, I loved it. I thought that the show was uh, fast paced for a change. Um, I didn't expect um, Jerry Lawler and Bobby Lashley and Rusev and Lana to. Uh, to take over like they did, but they did a good job. And um, Bobby got heat, Rusev got over, and that was the most important thing. So in your main event, you wanted to be something where 
you feel like that's what was intended to happen and it was intended to happen and it did and um I think we we as fans won. Do you believe that this storyline is coming off in a way that the WWE universe is interested? I I would think so. I I, I mean if if it was up to me, I would let this thing run for a while. I I, I just loved it. You, you know, I thought Lana when they started talking about the kids, I thought Lana was going to say she was pregnant. Did oh you think that God. at all? I didn't. I didn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I was I was thinking something like um, exactly what she said, that Rusev cheated, and she was trying to get back at him. And that was not the case. It was the she, – she just – turned this on his ear and said that not only did he cheat, but he was a sex addict. All he wanted her for was sex. And Rusev said his best. You blame me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the three biggest things that we learned last night is that Rusev is a sex addict, Lana is a floozy, and Bobby Lashley is a homewrecker. A floozy. Floozy. It's like it's like nineteen fifty. I, I think if Russo if if Russo haha if Rusev is a sex addict, I think he needs to see Doctor Sexual Chocolate Mark Henry for some uh, for some therapy. Because you were the biggest sex addict back in the day on during the Attitude Era. I mean, you were getting it on with an 82, 80 year old woman. She was nice too. She was gentle. <laughs> she had a lot of endurance for an old lady. What if and she no wanted to give cobwebs. you a colonoscopy? <laughs> and no, no coochie cobwebs. She was, she was awesome. Coochie cobwebs. <laughs> I threw. I just threw up in my mouth. That's disgusting. No, I'm you sure didn't. You nation. know, it was, everybody that heard that was like, "Wow, that's what I exactly what I wanted to know." I wanted so to Mark know if May had coochie cobwebs. <laughs> Let, let, let me ask you this about what we saw last night um, between Rusev, Lana, and Bobby. When it first started, um, I, I, I found myself kind of shaking my head a little bit like, ah, I don't know about all this. But by the end of the segment with the physicality between Bobby and Rusev and then, you, you know, the nut, sh nut shot on Rusev, uh, they kind of got me. I kind of started to get into it a little bit, even though it's not exactly my cup of tea. I, I mean, the, story, the soap opera storyline is my cup of tea, but it, it is, it's felt forced to me from the beginning. They kind of got me by the end, and I thought it was great heat to go off with, uh, Rus with Rusev down on the ground and Bobby and Lana um, you know, making out right over the top of him. Right over him. Man, that was brutal. Uh, the kissing you gotta, is too much. To, it's too much for me. That's the only thing that I, I'm kind of like, ah, I could do without. Well, what 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 would you rather them do? Uh, not that. I mean, let's pick some options. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's. A, I think it, the, I, I think kissing is the. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if a hug is going to do it. Um, uh, we're, we're going to get this match in Saudi Arabia, I believe. Alex Metz, our uh, producer yes. extraordinaire. Are we getting uh, Bobby versus Rusev in uh, Saudi? Uh, I do not believe that match is booked right now. Let me double check for you. But they, they didn't make the match. It wasn't before last night, and I don't believe they made the match last night on the show. Uh, but, you know, sometimes they announce them on Twitter afterwards. Let me just take a look. Uh, no, right now we are not getting Bobby versus Rusev at, at Crown Jewel. If they didn't, well, they should. I mean, that that's are they are they saving it for something yeah, else? Well, you, you got to have Lana there, and I don't know, you know, with the women's situation in Saudi Arabia, I don't know if that's going to be a true, possibility. True. So, I'd rather see them save it for, um, you, you know, a pay per view here. And just talking about the women over there, you know, Mark, I would love to see the WWE run a house show in the United States 
with just all of the women on it while that Saudi show is going on. Like, you know, Brilliant. if you were to if, if you were to run a house show that night, um, like an like an evolution uh, two while the Saudi um, pay-per-view, you know, after the Saudi pay-per-view, we're doing an all women show in whichever city. You think that would work for the WWE? Uh, w- most definitely. You know how easy it would be for them to do a whole uh, televised Raw or SmackDown using just the talent that they have from the women's division? Uh, I mean, it, it would, I, that would go over really, really well, actually. That's a great idea. And just a nice, quick, yeah. just a quick uh, correction, really quick, guys. The um, the Rusev is actually a part of Team Hogan, and Bobby Lashley is a part of Team Flair. So they will be in in Saudi, just not a one on one match. Yeah, that goes to show uh-huh. you how much that w- we realize who's on the team. Because me and Dave got so caught up the other day that the the, the that ten man tag just it feels like it's more about Hulk and Rick than it is about the guys in the match, and I I completely forgot that they were involved in that 10 man because it, it, it seems to be that you know flair and hogan are stealing all the spot especially flair stealing all the spotlight on this 10 man you know i have to bring some to attention like last night it was kind of awkward uh when hogan and flair were in the ring and even when they were on the floor like it's it's, it's like they're trying their best not to get involved and I think that they should get involved. It's their teams. I think it's impossible for guys like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan not to get involved because those guys command the spotlight. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Uh, you know what I'm going to do, Mark? I, I, this is crazy. I'm going right out to the nation real quick because there's a couple of people who want to talk about Lana and Rusev, and I just want to get their opinions real quick. Hey, Before Michael, you do. St- wait, Michael in St. Louis, hold on. Yeah, Mark, go ahead. Hold on, Michael. Also, whose baby is it? Dun, 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 dun. It's probably the Blue Meanies. <laughs> 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 hey michael out in st louis um do you think lana's pregnant uh it, it's a slight possibility it's a very slight well, was, possibility did you did you like shit. what did you yeah that, that was riveting did you like what you saw last night from rusev lana and bobby lashley oh the beer well the beer finals uh of finance, yes I was there basically celebrate my birthday uh, as of last night. I enjoyed the, the entire show. Now, for Rusev, my, my, now, I don't know if you might call or not, he did drop the S-bomb on live TV. Yeah, and? Uh, now, as far as this whole pregnancy thing, if I'm not mistaken, it, is it the same storyline they was going with with the uh, the, the, the uh, Canellas? The Canellas angle. Uh, I don't know. That's a good point, Michael. Um Mark, do you feel like this is uh, in too uh, uh, too similar to what they were doing with Mike and Maria Canellis? I don't. I think it's a little bit different. Uh, the only thing that's remotely similar is the fact that we're saying that um, there's about pregnancy, and th- and that's just manufactured. That's not something that's that's out there. Their whole deal was uh, she was actually pregnant, and she was. Beat, browbeating him. Lana's not browbeating uh, Rusev. She's basically cheating on Rusev in front of him and throwing it in his face. So that's two different things. You know, the most important thing when it comes to a story like this is, number one, are the fans enjoying it? And number two, are the talent getting over? So I asked you earlier, you said you thought that the fans were enjoying it. I was a little on the fence at first last night, but I found myself becoming morbidly intrigued as they went on. And by the end of the show, I was like, all right, this is kind of interesting. Let's see where they're going to go. But as far as getting over, do you think Bobby, Rusev, and Lana are taking steps forward as characters? Do you think they are getting over in the fans' eyes with a storyline that might seem a little hokey to some people? 
Yes, I do. I think it's the same as Shorty G. They're talking about them. They're involved in getting a rub from people that are greater than them. And Bobby and Rusev, they're sharpening each other. I always say iron sharpens iron. Both of those guys are legit entertainers. They're A-list guys. Them together is what we needed. Bobby especially. We, we've we been saying Bobby needs a championship and all of this, yada, yada, yada. I don't think so. I think Bobby needs a dancing partner that's his equal that puts him in jeopardy, and Rusev is that guy. Rusev beat me. He beat Sho. He beat Cena. He beat a lot of guys that are, like, going to be in the Hall of Fame or in the Hall of Fame. So Bobby Lashley – can he say the same? I mean, he's been in there with 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 AJ Styles, and he's been in there. He hasn't been in there with Brock. He hasn't been in there with Braun. Like, the guys that I feel like are the ones that could actually sharpen him, he haven't had the matches with. So, uh, I think this is the, the, this is the match that's going to make these two guys go to another level. I'm going to jump out back to the nation real quick, Mark. Anthony out in South Carolina – do you think Lana is pregnant? And did you like the angle last night? Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, she sure looked pregnant, and I hate it. I can't stand it. To me, it's creative being as lazy as possible. I can't even believe Heyman is willing to go this route. They've got these guys. I mean, this chick hasn't been on TV since April. I don't know. I don't like the romantic angles. you got great, talented wrestlers. And hook them up with somebody else. Get a better storyline going. It's like they're taking the easy way out because they don't want to come up with a good storyline. I think it sucks. I can't stand it personally. You, you don't anyway, watch soap operas, do you? Do you watch soap operas? I haven't watched it since I was 60 years ago. We used to watch The Edge of Night at 1 o'clock. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, yeah, all right. Thanks. Let, I, I'm just thinking creative is lazy. That's my bottom line with them. It, I, I don't think creative plays a part. Did Did you see anybody from creative in the ring last night? No, I mean, I know what you're saying, but they it's not about. No, you don't know what I'm saying because I'm not finished. It's not about creative. It's not about who wrote, who write. Like, the hell with all that. We're talking about pro wrestling. The wrestlers in point. the ring last night were the ones that set the tempo that gave us something to talk about. Let's talk about the people that were in the ring. He asked you, was, do you think she's pregnant? And did you like the show last night? Did you think that it was good? You said no. Yeah. You didn't have to give us the stuff about creative. What about her being pregnant? Do you think she's so what, pregnant? Creative have nothing to do with the storyline all of a sudden? They just came up with this idea on their own? But they weren't in the ring. Uh, it doesn't, like that, we're, that doesn't this, need, this is not a point. dirt sheet. We don't, we, don't, we don't do the dirt sheet thing. We My whole about- point is you've got con- con- you got two great guys, athletes, wrestlers, talented guys. Why are you putting them in an edge and leader situation? Why don't you just let them go out there and do their thing? You're wasting- so wait, you, let said, me- Anthony, you said an Anthony, edge and leader me- situation, uh, so that means you remembered it. And that's the you know, point. And, yeah, and let me ask you this, point. Anthony. Anthony, stop talking. Let me ask you this. You brought up edge and leader. The Edge and Lita soap opera storyline actually worked. You don't think it can work again with Rusev, Lana, and Bobby? You're not willing to give it a chance? I've been giving it a chance. It just seems like it's played out. I'd rather see wrestling. I don't know. I just All right. Thanks, Anthony. We appreciate your call, brother. You know, Mark, (laughs) you, you you, you just got pissed off, and I understand why. And it's because... A wrestling fan who is supposed to have an opinion based on what they see on their TV is going back to creative. And it sounds like you're pissed off that people want to talk about creative so much. And this is what I want to get into when we come back. Are fans putting too much heat on creative? And you know what? Are we doing the same thing here on Busted Open? 
If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music, plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. Mark, last night uh, they 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 opened they opened up with uh, you know Paige coming out there with the Kabuki Warriors and Oscar uh, spraying the green mist in Paige's eyes as we just heard. I want to get your overall thoughts and feelings on the angle and how do you thought it came off on TV. You know what I. I... I always thought that um, it was a stretch having Paige with the Kabuki Warriors. There was no real connection. Like, why was she? she, I don't know if they even ever explained, like, why she was with them, um, other than to be a mouthpiece. Um, I I was happy to see him turn on her, (laughs) actually. As much as I think Paige is cool and everything, uh, I think they wanted to be in by themselves, and now they'll, they'll get to see how they do when they fend for themselves. Uh, I thought last night came off okay. I just think sometimes the WWE can outthink themselves and as opposed to just keeping something very simple. Paige is out there, and she is putting over the Kabuki Warriors, and then all of a sudden, you know, Asuka decides to take the microphone away from her and start talking in Japanese, and then Kari uh, did the same thing, and then the microphone inadvertently drops, and then, you know, you get the mist. To me, when they do things like that, it almost feels forced. I would have loved to have seen Paige bring those people up and then out of nowhere, Asuka just spin her around and do the mist. I don't know why the girls needed to grab the microphone. I don't know why they needed to drop the microphone. I would rather something like that happen so quick and so shocking. Like if Paige were to be talking up to Kabuki Warriors, telling everybody it's so great, you know, how great they are, and they're the champions, and this, you know, Wednesday they're going to go defend their championships on NXT, and all of a sudden, boom, there's this spinning out of nowhere. To me, it's more shocking. Last night was, it was good. I mean, it was fair to me. It was fair. I just thought that they could have done it in a way that came off a a lot more heelish. And, Mark, here's something I didn't understand. Maybe you can smarten me up. How come after Asuka sprayed the mist into Paige's eyes, Asuka was just sitting there and laughing? It seems like Asuka and Kari are just giggling like little girls about what they do, as opposed to them acting like badasses. Yeah, I why don't, are they just giggling? It. It's it's nothing like Kill Bill, Oren Arishi. I I, I would like to see them act like her. Like if you're gonna laugh, laugh after you have stomped or cut somebody's head off or something. Like I I it it, it was a disconnect with me too. And then, you know, I know Paige has some physical limitations because of her neck, but, like, she gets sprayed in the face with the green mist. I mean, she doesn't even go down to one knee. I mean, it's as if somebody threw, you know, I felt like last night somebody threw a whiskey in her face. Yeah, threw paint on her. Yeah, threw paint on her, something like that. It was like, oh, I need some water to get this off. Like, I don't believe that mist was sold appropriately the way we've known it for years where the green mist or any mist that was grown you know spewed by the great kabuki or the great muda or tajiri you know whenever we saw the mist it always meant something it was always debilitating like you just said it was like somebody threw paint in 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 page's face and she was just oh get me water get me water like i didn't feel like it was really like that big of a deal, like, oh my God, you know, 
I'm in a lot of pain here. Is it me? No, it's it's not. It's not. And and, and we, we talked about this at the beginning of the show. It don't matter what you're given. It's what you do with it when you get in the ring. This is somebody that dropped the ball. Like, Paige is a, a, a unbelievable talent, and her career has been taken away from her way too soon. But just like we said about Sasha when she came back from her her hiatus, she was rusty, and Paige was rusty last night. It showed that she's not in the ring because she just you know she didn't she didn't bring it and. Um, you know, we, we, we're used to seeing, like you said, the the great Muda and Kabuki and Tajiri. Like, when the mist gets sprayed, you're flailing. You, you're trying to, you know, get it off. You're, you can't see. You, you, you're staggering. The referee's trying to pick you up, and you're fighting the referees off. Like, we, we, we missed that last night, and it, it didn't – I think that didn't translate to the fans either. You know, you brought up the Kill Bill reference. Um, remember the scene where, um, uh, what's the what, what's your name? The you know the baby face in the movie is, is fighting the, the the girl with the eye patch, and she pokes her eye out and and actually pops the eyeball out. You see that girl Whoa. writhing writhing Whoa. in pain on the floor. That's it. That's, That's what I wanted to see Paige doing last night. I wanted to see her writhing on the floor like she was blinded by something that was going to affect her, you know, for a week or so. I mean, she just, by staying on her feet and by having Kari and Oscar just laughing, it almost came across like a childish gag. Like I could have bought this mist in a store for 99 cents and put it in my mouth and just sprayed it in my friend's face and ha ha ha, look at her. I just sprayed green, you know, goop on her face. Right. That's it what just it didn't, like. it, it didn't come across as devastating as I would have liked it to. And the mist, I think now they've set the precedent with that. Like the mist could be a gag. Like I liked the first time that she did it to, to, um, to Becky. Because it, it led to Becky losing a match. Like, it had some kind of consequence. Last night, it didn't feel like there was a consequence to the green mist. And with no and consequence. With, and I thought they could have built up Becky and Asuka a little better. You, you know, you have, you have Becky come in. She goes one-on-one with Kari Sane. You have, you know, Becky going over. You know, okay, it's a win for Becky, but why not spray the mist in Becky's face right there and have them beat the shit out of Becky? Why not leave Becky uh. laying? What's what's the big deal about Becky Becky getting a win over one of the tag team champions? Isn't there more heat in them spraying the mist in her face and leaving her laying does it not get more sympathy on becky does it not give the 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 kabuki warriors more of an edge going into nxt this wednesday night and defending their tag team championships it does and and you're exactly right i i i, I mean i i don't know why this is so crystal clear to us sometimes but it's not to others like becky Be- becky is a champion we get it. The most important thing to me when it comes to a baby face like Becky is every day taking a step forward with getting more and more people to love her. And if you love her already, you want to love her even more. The more, the, the deeper the emotional investment in Becky Lynch, the better. So once Becky Lynch gets the one, two, three, it's like, yay, okay, Becky, you won, great. What, what's next? I don't care they about that. Stumped the, stumped the sh- Boy, they should have stomped the hell out of her. They should have destroyed her. And then they should have had her down. And Carrie Sane should have held Becky Lynch's hands behind her while they had Becky on her knees. And then Asuka could have went. You remember, Mark, do you remember when the great Kabuki would spin around before he did the mist? Yeah. That's what Asuka should have did. She should have went into like the... If I was in the chair, if I had the pencil, and and you always say if you had the pencil, if I had the pencil, I would have had them beating her so unmerciful that even Paige was like, 
Okay, guys, that's enough. That's enough. Stop. Come on. And now you can turn around and have them spray her. And they like, oh, you're going to side with her? And and there's no laughing. Like, why giggle? Like, make, make it serious. And now the announcers have something to relay the message to the fan base. Like, oh, maybe that was a bad decision. Uh, don't pull the Kabuki Warriors off. If once they attack, let them attack, you know, something. But I love that idea also, Mark. You're saying save the mist for the end. You're saying have have the match, but in the match, Oscar gets involved. It leads to a DQ. We see the Kabuki Warriors beating down Becky Lynch. We see Paige come in and try to stop the girls, and then out of nowhere, there's the mist on Paige. Right. Then they spray her. And now that would have been have a great out. idea also. I like it. I like it. Maybe me and you should be booking the territories, brother. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. On the line with us right now, former WWE writer, a guy that you worked very closely with, Mark, Alex Greenfield online. Alex, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, boy. I was talking to Mark yesterday about the show. I cannot believe we haven't crossed paths before. He was like, do you know, boy? I feel like we should know each other. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, and it's probably better off for you that we didn't cross paths because they have to settle that right back in the day. <laughs> I know, I know, no. That's one of the things we're going to talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> well, 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 thank uh, you for joining us. Um, yeah, Mark. Uh, bu- Bully, let me let me let you in on something real quick. Like Al- Alex is a nerd like me, and uh, <laughs> I I wanted to ask him before we get started: Are you a Star Wars guy? Oh um, yes, I am. So, what do you think about the uh, Mandalorian series that's going to be coming up pretty soon that Disney's doing? I watch. Are, the are you excited that- for it? Oh yeah, I'm super excited. No, I like like. Disney, I'm at the threshold of how many streaming services I can have. I don't know what I'm going to drop to replace with Disney Plus. Their whole, their whole lineup is ridiculous. And, you know, all of the Star Wars movies, all of the Pixar. But The Mandalorian looks really freaking good to me. I love uh, the actor playing the, the bounty hunter from Game of Thrones. And he in that role just looks perfect. And everything about it, like, it looks like they are putting feature-length film money on the screen every week. I'm stoked for it. Like, I'm – that and the news that uh, the Game of Thrones guys are not doing Star Wars movies has me very excited. You know, I've never watched one episode of Game of Thrones. Me neither. Oh, really? It's totally worth your time. Totally worth your time. Like, it's really – it does not end well, but – if you're looking for a fun weekend binge, like that's that's where to start. It'll hook you pretty quickly. And I'm not a big certain sorcery fantasy guy. Like of all my nerd things, like I never got through the Lord of the Rings through reading them as a kid. Like that's not sort of my home thing. Game of Thrones really isn't just about dragons and swords. It's a, it's especially in the first five seasons. It's a politics show. It's a it's. It's like House of Cards set in this mystical, magical world. It's really an interesting show. Very, very interesting. Maybe I'll have to check it out one day. Well, Alex, we don't have you on here to talk about Game of Thrones. We have to talk to you about writing in the WWE. So first off, let me ask you this. What years did you work and write for the WWE? Uh, 2005 and 2006. And so was, you spent uh, about a uh, year there. First a writer and then the head writer on uh, SmackDown. So you spent a year there? Uh, 18 months, about a year and a half. Okay, and you worked directly with Mark, correct? Yes. So right off the bat, let me ask you this. What was your, ex- how, your experiences working with Mark Henry? Did you enjoy working with him as a performer? Did you enjoy writing for him? Um... God, you know, I mean, you know, he's a cantankerous bastard. Look, like Mark, legit, cover your ears, Mark. You're going to get blown here. It's really embarrassing. Mark was one of my uh, favorite people to work with there because we came to a place. I suspect that one of the things we're going to talk about is how overscripted things at WWE can be. 
Mark and I got to a place where I could basically walk up, give him sort of the scenario in the setup, right? It's like working as a carpenter. Given the scenario in the setup, and then he could just go. Still the best line I've ever been a party to in wrestling is Mark cutting a promo on Rey Mysterio. And Mark says, uh, I'm going to strip that mask and clip that wig and dig down to the white meat. The audience gasped. I'm sitting in Gorilla Next event. Arn Anderson looks over and he's like, did you write that? I'm like, Fuck no, that was all Mark. And that's what Mark can do because I like working with guys who have a little bit of poetry. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to just, uh, I'm going to beat you at the pay-per-view you know, sort of flat. I like guys like Mark and JBL who could really create a poetry of the, of the violent stories that we were telling. And Mark was great with that. Like, like from the first time we met, we started talking about comic books and sort of dramatic inspiration and, yeah, man. And, and I still think like Mark's retirement speech, which I never, uh, I had nothing to do with. I texted him after that was over. I think it's one of the best orations, fucking forget promo orations in wrestling. It's so good. So yeah, working with Mark was all right. <laughs> you know what? We, we started talking about Luke Cage before yeah. they came out with a series. And I told yeah, you. Yeah, we wanted you was, to be Mark Cage. I wanted I wanted to be Luke Cage, and uh, this is 2006, so they yep. they didn't come out with it until a year and a half ago or two years ago. Yeah. So I, I'm we were jumping the gun. We were way ahead of the curve. No, remember we wanted to do a sort of. I think after you got injured at Saturday night's main event, we went back and forth. Uh, Mark was going to be laid out for, I don't know, a fairly significant time, like four or five months. I yeah, think. like, yeah, like uh, five and months. We, and we started talking about, and I pitched it to Vince, too. He just didn't bite. But we wanted to do a sort of kingpin from Daredevil style character for Mark while he couldn't work. Uh, I, I still wish, I'd love you to go to, you know, whatever organization and be a manager. I think you'd be great in that freaking kingpin role. It'd be awesome. Alex, uh, uh, I would be back on the road again, though. <laughs> yeah, that's the flip side. I understand not wanting that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Billy. Go ahead. No, you you, you know you brought up um, a couple of minutes ago about we're probably going to talk about promos being entirely too scripted these days. What is your opinion about promos throughout the wrestling business these days and their level of scriptedness, especially? within the WWE. What light can you shed on it for our listeners? So I am one of those writers uh, who came in from Hollywood. I'm like one of the people who is not uh, liked as a general, not necessarily in the specifics. Um, so when I came in the WWE, I, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Like, it's a weird thing to admit. So when Vince wanted things completely scripted, right? Um, like he wanted to know exactly the words that were going to come out of a guy's mouth whenever he did a promo in front of the crowd. So I assumed it was like dialogue, like when I'm working on a TV show or a feature or whatever, that you would just write the words and hand them to the talent and they would go away and just recite the words. And that misses so fucking much about what makes wrestling great. Um, because you don't allow any room for improvisation. And these, by and large, I mean, you, you have a ton of people who have great freaking theatrical training from Loki and Sammy Callahan and MJF, like who really, who you can talk in that way. A lot of guys, especially guys coming in out of athletics, you give them a fucking page of dialogue to, to try and memorize. It's not just going to be the problem of them not memorizing that dialogue, right? It's not in their voice, especially early on when you're working with someone and you don't have their rhythm. Um, it, it, it removes them from the process. And to me at WWE, I, I heard you guys talking earlier about the, the um, adultery cuckold angle thing. Um, and it especially hurts the process when you overscript things when people are interacting with one another because they're not listening to each other. Do you know what I mean? They're waiting yeah. for their turn to recite the words in their head. 
one of the first things when, when I'm working with, with new talent, one of the first things I try and teach is sort of just basic active listening because those dead spaces where it's clear that what's going on in your mind isn't thinking about what the other person has said, but rather that you're looking at the page in your head like you're reading the dialogue like a Terminator before you say it. And that just kills any sense of spontaneity. And anyway, going back to WWE, that was like when I would work with, you know, the T or Chris Stratish and Mickey James is the best example, who I love working with. We did a bunch of work together. Um, we would have to sneak shit through um, rather than, than letting people know that we, because we didn't want to tie ourselves to a script when we were having such a great experience of them playing with each other. Do you know what I mean? Um, so the, tem the temptation to script everything, uh, I can sort of understand it, but at the same time, this isn't, wrestling isn't the form where that works particularly well because we're investing in you guys as people, um, not as, you know, it's not Billy Ray playing the thing in the Fantastic Four. It's not Mark playing Luke Cage. You guys are in some dimension yourselves and trying to script you is, it's, it's impossible. At, the, at, at its best, when, when you're doing wrestling right, it's this great collaboration. At its worst, you're giving people who are unequipped to deal with it pages of dialogue for them to recite, and it feels like community theater and not good community theater. How, what, how was your experience working directly with Vince? When you say he would want everything scripted, were there any talents that he allowed to go off script or just give bullet points to? And was that frustrating for somebody like yourself? Oh, well, when I got to the working with bullet points, it was actually so freeing, dude. It was so, you would think that I would want to be scripting everything. But my background was coming out of theater and, and live TV. So it, I wasn't married to words exactly. Um, working with Vince was very challenging. I mean, Mark will tell you, a lot of people will tell you, I got in shouting matches with Vince all the fucking time. Wait, stop. Um, stop for one second. Stop. Sure. You, 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 a person that was only there for 18 months, you got into shouting matches with Vince? I got in shouting matches with Vince on the floor, on the set, in front of the boys. My career preservation skills were perhaps not very evolved when I was young and full of piss and vinegar and wanted to change the world. Dude, when I got handed the reins of SmackDown, first remember that this is Vince we're talking about. Vince kind of loved it because, you know, other guys wouldn't get in shouting matches with him, and I would, and Vince loves that shit. Like, he would have fired me if he didn't, right? And that's yeah, well, what everybody said. Alex, I say yeah. this all the time. Vince does not like the docile, yes, sir, boss type of guys. Those are the guys he fired first. The guys that he like are the guys that he he sees they have some balls, that they'll stand up for themselves, and they won't be peed on. Vince loves guys that will stand up. And if, he if, loves if you that, if, and it got me over in some ways. If I was the man then that I am now, I would have used a lot more jujitsu. We were, we were two rams, like ramming heads, and I'm always going to lose that fight, right? Like, there's, there's no right. way to win that fight. And fuck, half the time I was young and dumb. Like, half the time I was wrong, too. Like, let's not, let's not put me over too heavily. If I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, I would have handled Vince better, and I think made better television as a result. So it's, you know, it's it's great dick measuring to say, oh, I got in fights with Vince. But it also bit me in the ass because when you come at Vince saying you're wrong, I'm right, he's always going to fight when you come in and say, what if? And, I mean, that's a lesson from Bruce. It's not from me. Uh, he had to teach me that. Bruce and Paul. Um, when you come in and you work – and you at least appear that you're working with him. Things tend to go better with you because I never won one yeah. of those fights. So he didn't win one. Or you, or you make it his idea, because yeah, yeah, a, bun a bunch of times. Court was great at that. Yes, <laughs> a bunch of times I was making. Yeah, 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 for sure. Sorry, go ahead. 
I, I would I would say, you remember that time you said this when it was really me saying it? <laughs> Uh-huh. You, you you said a long time ago that this is what you wanted, and he would go, "Well, I mean, I guess if that's if that's what I wanted, it, <laughs> you know, like oh my god, we make... kept him off that silverback bullshit for a year. We kept him away from doing that because Mark, I, am I breaking paper? Mark did not love that. Is that safe to say? And we yeah, kept I hated him it from doing that. Um, for a year by doing techniques just like that. Oh, you said we weren't doing that, Vince. You said we were doing this other thing. Oh, oh God damn, I guess we did, huh? Yeah, I, I went to juvenile for getting called McGilla Gorilla, and I beat the hell out of kids. Yep. And yep. I just I always hated the stigma of people referring to me as a monkey of any kind, and, and the result was I kicked your ass, and I accepted whatever consequences came to me, and I let everybody know why I did what I did. And if you do it, this is the consequence for doing it. And I don't care what punishment I get. So I win either and way. I can't, and I could never figure out what like, she was so into that. And I feel like to him, like, I don't even, I, I, insensitive, yes, but actively uh, prejudiced, no. I think Vince thought it was like calling Vader the Mastodon. You know what I mean? Like, I think he was just, oh, God damn it. Big silverback. I saw one at the zoo one. Um, so I don't, like, but he just could not get through his head that you just didn't want that. So sometimes, yeah, you know, yeah. you act as a heat shield for your talent, too. I guess it's part of the, uh, part of the job, too. Which is one of the reasons why I loved you so much as an as a, a advocate is that, you know, that, you know, when my wife and I went to Connecticut, like that was, that was one of the points of contention. Like, I'm not a monkey. I'm not a, a primate. Yeah. Like, I'm not like, that's, that's not what you call a black man that is educated as well as accomplished. And I, I, I just wasn't going to be that, you know, that's, you know, it's, I got little kids looking up to me. Yeah. And the last thing that I'm going to do is take a a humanizing person like me, a guy that's a two-time Olympian that is all accolades that I've amassed and refer to this guy as a monkey or a primate? No. And people, somebody, I have to say primate because there'll be one of these uh, animal purists that'll call in, you know that a gorilla is not a monkey. Yeah, asshole, I know. I I was Mark. just about to say that. <laughs> you know, Mark, I, I got to tell you, uh, it, it only, uh, I did not know that you were not okay with that whole, um, you know, silverback thing. Because when I heard them calling you that on TV, I always thought to myself, well, Mark Henry must have okayed this. He must be cool with this. Because with, the world we live in, especially today, I mean, what just went on yesterday with the, the kid from NXT and, and the perceived racism and things like that, how, how were you okay with it? Like, to me, I like, wasn't I'm, okay. I, I, I wasn't. I'm cri- but I'm cringing listening to, listening to it. But uh, no, if you and, weren't, and is, if you weren't a okay with between, it. It's, it's a difference, Bully, being called a primate and referring having a um a photo or image that looks like a sambo like there there's a difference like you know there has to be checks and balances and you look at a lot of these uh fashion companies and um they will hire somebody now especially after that incident where they had the pullover mask that you zip up that looked like a monkey and like K&M suffered, lost millions of dollars because of an indiscrepancy and a loophole where nobody said, hey, maybe you not want to do that. And even more so, please don't put a person of color in this mask so people could see this black person with this monkey mask on. Where were the people that was in checks and balances? And that's where we are. Uh, with the WWE, and my wife and I are writing up something right now to uh, 
try to figure out how the company can have checks and balances. And it's going to be a lot of work. And it may not be me, but there's got to be somebody that's going to have to be able to, to know wrestling and to understand wrestling and to want to be um, a beacon of change. And uh, I'm willing to do that if they'll allow me to. Um, if not, then hire somebody, please. Interesting stuff. Alex, uh, let me get back to you uh, as far as the writing is concerned. Do you keep up – are you current with the product? Do you watch the WWE every week? Uh, no, I don't. And like, I, I know that opens up immediately in this market for, uh, for oh, well, you must be for the other team. It's not really that. Uh, I've worked for MLW for the last two years. I, I just sort of parted ways with them. When you're in the bubble of your own stuff, I tried, like, I didn't want to feel overly influenced by uh, WWE. Last night, I know I was coming on the show, last night was the first episode I've watched, like, full episode, in probably, at least since right before Mania, I always try and watch that go-home show just so I have some idea of what's going on. But I'm, I'm very much a drop-in viewer now, so I was, I was surprised by some of the stories last night. Well, what, what surprised you? Uh, the, the, when I was doing the Mickey Trish program back in 2005, um, we did a little a side story where Trish had a boyfriend and the crowd shit all over it. Like they didn't want to do a, a relationship story at all. I tried another version of that at MLW. Same thing. Like crowds just didn't want that. Paul himself has done sort of relationship angles, some of which worked really well. Like the Tommy Bula stuff, I think, is one of the best versions of that type of story. Um, this, like everything about this, it feels not of the moment in 2019 when you have so much sort of racial animus out in the land to do a sort of cuckold story that tickles some weird, uh, tickles some weird browsers places, right? Um, it, everything about it felt off. And, you know, going back to what we were talking about, even, even on a production level, like it felt like everybody was waiting for everybody else to talk. It didn't feel organic. It felt very staged. Uh, and I was sort of, you know, given who's, who's the head writer of the show or the executive producer, they're calling it now, I was sort of surprised with, with how that turned out. There were, there were things that were cool. Like, I love any use of green mist makes me delighted. Um, but on the whole, like, I'm very much one of those people who thinks three hours is a whole hell of a lot to ask of your audience anyway. Um, yeah. It was a chore sitting through the show. And I'm not saying that, like, I know how hard that job is, dude. Like, the, those guys are both behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, like there's no harder working crew than WWE. And I respect the hell out of that whole team. But at the same time, it, the show just didn't land with me. And I know that's an unspecific criticism, but it, it felt very labored. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Uh, Three hours uh, is a long time to watch anything. Yeah. I mean, that, that, you can't watch three hours of porn. If you... If you can, then you need to see. Uh, dude, I, I can I can barely go five minutes. Come on, buddy, you're being very generous. <laughs> I, I I thoroughly agree with the, the three hours because uh, it's very easy to watch NXT and AEW and be extremely entertained by both of those shows for two hours. Yeah. Uh, it always seemed like the sweet spot uh, for me. Uh, even if I go see my favorite band, if I go see Kiss or ACDC or Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Metallica, three hours even feels like a chore for something that I absolutely love. And, you know, in the three hours of Raw, you know, it can be a little difficult at times. Alex, let me ask you this. When you were working there, were there talents that you didn't gel with really well? And if so, who and why? Oh gosh, and wow. it's not even a burial. It's not even a burial thing. I'm never quite. I know. I'm. I'm not asking. I'm not asking you to bury anybody. I'm just saying some writers and some talents can't get on the same sure. page. Were there yeah, any people that I, you know you couldn't get on that yeah, page? Yeah, I was never any fucking good with John Cena. Um, like we just and and I've grown as as the years have gone by. I've really grown to appreciate what Cena accomplished. Like. 
Irving Captain America babyface for 10 freaking years on top is, it's not easy work, right? I never quite got John's voice. You know what I mean? Like, we never, we never clicked. And I wish, this is another of those examples. I wish now, like, I'd do anything to go back. And if, if Edge is really coming back, I'd love to do a one more time story with those guys. They had remarkable chemistry. But I even talked, you know, Brian assigned me to something. Brian DeWertz, who was the head writer of Raw at the time. Uh, basically, because I was the head writer on SmackDown, I sort of acted like a segment producer on Raw. Like, I'd just come in and get assigned stuff and go off and do it. Um, at one point, I told Brian, I was like, I don't think I'm doing the best work for John. It's not that we didn't get along as human beings. It's just I never quite got him. And, and you know, fortunately, there were guys like Koski who, who just knew seeing his voice right, right off. Never quite clicked. I had a tough time with Dave Batista at first, uh, and then he became one of my favorite collaborators. But it took me a long time. He's a taciturn, not very talkative guy. And I always try to sit down with talent and kind of get a sense of who they are, you know, as people outside, outside the hot lights in the camera. Um, and I just didn't get a sense of them until after he came back from that lat tear or whatever it was, that December mark. Um, but then we ended up clicking. I never, and then there are guys, this is the, I won't mention them because they're very, they're also, you know, in any locker room, there are people you don't get along with. And, you know, you just, you shrug and you, you try to avoid them. And there are a few of those, but not that many. There were a lot <laughs> more good experiences with friends I'm still friends with than negative experiences for sure. Very good, very good. Alex, we appreciate you coming on the show, uh, spending some time with us, talking about the whole creative process. You got anything coming up that you want to talk about or plug right, real quick? Uh, I do not. Uh, my old house, MLW, has a pay-per-view this Sunday. I know no details about it, but it'll be worth your 20 bucks because those are a bunch of hardworking, really talented people. Alex, thank you very much for calling in today. Hey, spending man, some I time thank you for calling Mark. in, buddy. Thanks, guys. Nice meeting you, Bully. Talk to you soon, Mark. Take care, man. Sorry, Bully. No, you you didn't do nothing wrong. Well, you know what? I'm always interested to hear from writers who didn't gel with people. And the Cena story kind of is shocking because I don't know how you can't gel with a guy like John Cena because it would seem like that stuff writes itself. He brought up Cena. How often – let me ask you this, Mark – the angle that you did where you retired and you did it with Cena and it was, it was off the charts. You know me. I don't blow smoke up people's asses. You had me that night. I mean, you put the hook in my mouth. I remember watching that segment and going, oh, he's going to turn on Cena. And then going, oh, no, wait. He's really retiring. Retiring. And then you shoved it straight up the wrestling world's ass, and I loved it. This dude couldn't work with Cena. How well were you able to work with John that given night? John, it was very easy because John said, wow, you're doing all the talking, so I just stand here and and be emotional. And I said, you have to sell this. Like, wow, like somebody that I grew up and I don't know who you're putting me in the place of, but whoever that person that you love, like put my face in there for the night because the people are going to look at you. And John cried in that in that scene like he, he was tearful. I mean, dropping tears when I referred to him and I told him that I would not take the title because you have to earn this title. And he just started bawling. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is good. And it just set up for what was going to happen later on. And, you know, there was a, a, a bunch of different emotions that went through in that promo. You know, I did a little comedy. You know, I made people laugh. I'm talking about Mae Young and... um they were a little upset, I guess, when I kind of went away from the crowd. And I was like, you know what? Like, don't don't cry for me, Argentina, because I'm up here crying. I'm doing enough crying for everybody. 
So it's like there were things in that promo that I wrote that I knew would resonate with people of all ethnicities, that people would get these these references, these obscure type references that I plugged in. But the ultimate thing was I was gonna, I really in my mind said that I was retiring. This was my retirement speech. I said everything that I needed to say to everybody. And I thanked so many people. And it was completely honest. And you know, like just like you said and Big Show said, and I don't know how Hulk Hogan got my phone number because it wasn't like we were buddies or nothing. But he called me the next day and said, hey, uh, this is Hulk. And I was like, oh, okay, how you doing, man? He was like, yeah, I'm, uh, did you write that promo or did the company do that? And I said, I did. And he was like, well, I just want to let you know that this is the – I've been around wrestling for – close to 50 years and I've never been gotten he said but you got me last night this was the first time that I've ever been gotten in wrestling and I said oh shit wow that's thank you like he was like that was that was one of the best promos if not the best promo I ever saw and I I, I always go to my grave knowing that the principles of pro wrestling respected that promo and loved it and uh, John Cena um, deferred to me because he could have had more involvement in it. But he said, man, it's your retirement. He's like, you're the one that's retiring. It was e He's easy to work with because he wants to tell the story. That's the most important story to tell. And you know, Bully, that if somebody gets away from what the true factors are in whatever story you're telling, it gets diluted and then it gets weird and, and awkward and you can't understand. So John is very good at that. And I, I, I mean, him and Alex, I, I don't know. Um, that there's, you know, there's people that I don't get along with. And when I see him, I dodge him. I go the opposite direction too. So I understand what he's saying. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com.